The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. Hey, it's Mariana Hewitt, and I am the host of the Life with Mariana podcast and the co-founder of Summer Fridays, and you're listening to Life with Mariana. I am so excited for this episode because it's with Mario Dedivanovic, and he is the founder of Makeup by Mario and an incredible celebrity makeup artist. I have been a longtime fan of Mario's work. He's so incredible, and when he launched the brand, I was so excited because I love every single product. They are so good. Whenever I'm doing my makeup every day, there's at least one or two things I'm using from his brand, and whenever I'm getting my makeup done, the artists always have these things in his kit. So I really find that his line is not only great for artists, but also for consumers as well. And they're not confusing or hard to use. They're really innovative, and they're beautiful on the skin. Mario took over 20 years of experience to get to the point of launching his brand, and he actually was working at Sephora in retail and now has his very own brand there. This is such an inspiring episode, so you guys definitely want to listen. And be sure to subscribe to the Life with Mariana podcast and follow me on Spotify because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. Now let's hear from Mario. So I feel like for as long as I've known you, you've been a makeup artist, but what were you doing before? Gosh, before I was a makeup artist, I was many things. I started working when I was 12. So I was a grocery bag hacker. Basically, I used to pack bags for people in the grocery store when I was 12. And then I started working at the Bronx Zoo. I was a pretzel boy. I was a icy boy, basically like selling ice, you know, frozen ice. And then at the carts in the in the Bronx Zoo. And then I became at 15 years old, I became the manager of the hot dog stand, which I was very proud of. And then I became a restaurant worker, busboy. And then I went into retail with Sephora. And I think that you learn something from every job that you have, no matter if it's related to the job you have now, even though you're working at the zoo and these other things. So what skills do you think you learned then at a young age that you've applied to the career you have now as an artist and as a founder? Certainly work ethic was, was the thing. You know, I, I kind of found out or realized at a very young age, at the age of 12, actually, that if I wanted something, I had to figure out a way to get it. For myself and I had to work for it. It wasn't handed to me or given easy, easy to me. So that kind of followed me throughout my entire career. And so Sephora, which is so full circle now, like having your own brand there. And I want to go back to how did you transition from working at Sephora to become a working makeup artist? So the way I transitioned from Sephora, it's kind of a long story, but I kind of started doing it at the same time, I was simultaneously building my portfolio. So this was in the year 2000. So 23 years ago, you know, there was no social media. I didn't have a website. I didn't even have a computer or a cell phone for that matter. So basically, I was working in retail and sort of taking gratis from, from Sephora. So we were allowed to get certain amounts of gratis or some brands would, for example, give us products and stuff. And so I started building my kit that way. And, and then on my days off, I would go and I would do these test shoots for free with photographers and models to start, you know, refining my work and to start building my portfolio. And so that's kind of like, yeah, it kind of happened simultaneously. And portfolio now is so different from then because obviously it was pre-social media, pre-cell phone. So it really was working with people, building your book, and then social media came along and really changed everything. So 
I think there's probably a lot of aspiring artists or artists listening who do have a full-time job and they don't know how to balance the both because a lot of the work at the beginning is free and you're doing it to build your portfolio and client list. So how did you manage working a full-time retail job and doing this creative work on the side that you wanted to eventually be your career? I mean, I think first and foremost, I was super passionate. Like I had found the first time in my life something that I truly loved and it felt right for me. And I knew that I wanted to do this, you know, for the rest of my life. And I wanted to one day have a brand, you know, so I could make my my, my mom proud, my parents proud, because I knew they wouldn't accept me as a makeup artist being Albanian. And so I hit it initially in the, in the, in the first few years until they finally found out. But I think for me, it was just like, it was passion. I was so passionate, passionate about about makeup and I was so obsessed with it. Like I wanted to learn everything that I could learn. And so for me, it was like, there wasn't enough days in the week for me to do makeup. I wanted to do it every waking second, you know? And so, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't the best at balancing, to be honest with you, because it was always kind of just work, work, work for me. I mean, I'm a little better at it now, but back then, you know, you had to do it. There was no way around it because like you said, there was no social media, you know, the goal was to get an agent, you know, to start booking, you know, jobs on your own outside of retail. And so, you know, I had to sort of do it all at the same time and just keep going. And I know a lot of people struggle with this too. And it's something I dealt with my own parents was you wanted this job. You knew they wouldn't, you know, believe in you or see that it was a value until you really proved yourself to them. How can you power through that on your own? Because I know it's really challenging when the people who you love the most aren't really understanding of these dreams you might have for yourself. Yeah. Well, for me, it's like, that was really, I think, probably one of the biggest driving forces like you know in my entire career especially in those early days was this sort of this need to to prove or to make my parents proud or to show them that i can do something that i'm worthy that i can be successful i can achieve the american dream now for me it was like there's lot, lots of levels to it because i sort of grew up extremely suppressed and in the closet and hiding who i truly was and feeling ashamed and, and, and embarrassed, you know, and, and guilty for, for being who I was. And so that sort of added more fuel to the fire for me, right? Because now I had to sort of prove to them even more so than, than let's say someone else would, you know, let's say if it was my sister, they, they would not, would not have had a problem of her doing makeup. Um, but me, because I was a boy, it's like, it's like a double whammy for them. It's like, Oh my God, like, what is he doing? What is this? You know, we don't understand what this is. This is not acceptable. So, you know, it, that I used it, thank God, because it could have went two ways, Mariana. It could have went, you know, the opposite way and, and probably not with a good outcome, or it could have went the way that I did it, which was I just kind of used it as fuel to keep pushing myself. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying that that's the healthiest thing or that's what everyone should do, but in my case, I, I certainly used it for that. Yeah. And you've been able to be such an inspiration for so many people now, including myself. Like I have loved to see your career grow and now into your own oh. brand too. And so, I want to go back to being an artist first. So you were an artist for a really long time. And how long were you a working artist before you were like, okay, I want to start working on a brand or you always knew in time that Makeup by Mario would come? Oh, I always knew. So here's the deal. When I started working at Sephora, I got the job and I was doing fragrance as a fragrance consultant. And and basically this woman that was there, I was standing at the front door saying, welcome to Sephora because I didn't really have any experience in retail. So that's what my job was there. And she asked me to help her choose a lipstick. And I mean, I was so intrigued by makeup, even since years earlier, it's just something that was suppressed in me. And so I just went, I knew I wasn't supposed to, and I just went and helped her and she loved it. 
And something happened to me. I don't know if it was an epiphany. I don't know what it was, but I, I decided in that moment, I'm like, that's, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And that's what I started doing literally the day after I started researching. I started going to the library. I started, you know, researching books and magazines and, and learning everything that I possibly could about this industry. But the, the one problem I had was like, you know, what we spoke about before was, oh my God, my parents are going to be mortified at, at, at me doing this this job at this career because number one they don't know that i'm gay number two now they're gonna know if they if they find out that i'm doing makeup i'm gonna you know i'm not gonna make them proud and so my mother growing up and, and at that time as well when i was working at sephora she was a cleaning woman at the l'oreal headquarters in, in new york at the corporate offices and so i grew up with her sort of bringing home all these l'oreal brands for my sisters you know she would bring home gratis and all this stuff and so her only her only exposure to like the American dreamer to the American corporate world was with these cosmetic executives. And so in my 17 year old brain at that time in 2000, it kind of clicked when I was looking around the store and I was like, Oh my God. So there's NARS, there's Laura Mercier, there's Carol Shaw from Lorac, there's Jeanine, Jeanine Lobel from Stila. I'm like, these are all makeup artists. I'm like, so if I have a line like this one day, my mother, it'll, it'll make my mom proud because I will be one of those people whom she works for. And so that's sort of like, that was what I, I got stuck. I got that little sort of, what's the word? I don't know what the word is, like this little seed in my brain. And and I was like, that. that's when I planted that seed. And I was like, I have to do this. But I said, you know, at that time, all these artists that I just referred to were in their board, like 40, in their early 40s. So I was like, okay, I'm 17. I'm like, I have to work at least 20 years. And so I kind of set it up like that in my mind that I'm going to work for 20 years. I'm going to build my reputation, build my, my book, build my clientele, my you know, my career. And then at the 20 year mark, I want to launch the brand. And that's, and I actually, Marianne, I launched it exactly 20 years. Wow. Wow. I have chills just listening to that. And I love that you felt so inspired and motivated by your own story and your mom and how you could prove yourself to them. And I remember watching, it was one of your master classes and you had your like family on stage and like you were emotional, your family was emotional. And I just like really feel like I can tell how hardworking and humble you are, obviously in real life, I know, but then also through the internet, because it's like you share this journey with so many people. And I think it's so inspiring for people, no matter if their families believe in them or not, that if you work really hard and you're kind and humble and you do this for 20 years, you can do this too. And I think people are so used to now seeing the overnight successes of a brand like, oh, this just brand popped up and it's you know, going viral and it's selling out. But really it was 20 plus years of work you got to be where you are today. Oh, absolutely. You know, 20 years is, is when I launched the brand, you know, but that was very important to me because, you know, when social media started, I would say even going back to like 2012, 13, I remember my agents at the time, like bringing me, bringing forward to me these business plans and these deals for my makeup brand. You know, it was like right at the beginning of when YouTube started and there were companies that were interested in doing brands with me. And I just remember looking at it all and just feeling like a joke. Like, I'm like, this is a, like, I'm so young. I'm not ready for this. Like, I don't, you know, I can't do this right now. I have so much more that I need to do to sort of earn, you know, the responsibility of having a brand like this. So I'm really glad that I waited because had I started back then, it would not have been the same outcome. There are a couple things that I do every single day that really just help me. You guys know that I love my morning routines, my nighttime routines. I'm always doing things like my gratitude journal, my meditations, checking in on myself, and sometimes small daily actions really make a big difference. And when it comes to caring for your hair, a little goes a long way. Whether you're fine, medium, or thick, whey has just your type. No matter what your hair needs, volume, shine, or hydration, their shampoos and conditioners are made to give your strands exactly what they need, helping you with multiple hair concerns to get you on your way to good hair days every single day. I've been using Way ever since the brand launched, so it's been part of my hair care routine for a few years now, 
and I love how they make my hair look and feel and that they actually work. I'm always doing a lot of styling to my hair, so I really need to detox my hair from all the things that I put into my hair. So I really like that clean feeling and how it feels afterwards because I feel like what I do in the shower and the products I apply afterwards is really how it dries and how I can style it. So nourish your hair every day and keep it looking the best with shampoo and conditioner from Way. Way has your fine, medium, and thick hair covered. And if you're not sure what your hair type is, take their hair quiz to find the way that works for you. Once you find your favorite, stock up and save with 32-ounce refill pouches of their most loved shampoos and conditioners. And if you've been on a product binge, you guys can try the Detox Shampoo, which is the one that I just told you about. It really gives your strands and scalp a deep cleanse to bring it back to life while adding strength, softness, and shine. Get on your way to healthier hair one day at a time with shampoos and conditioners that are just your type. Go to theouai.com slash mariana15 for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theouai.com slash mariana15. I think I always used to think I needed things to happen by a certain age. And then there's so much pressure around like 30 under 30 and all of these lists and rushing things. But I'm like, our lives are so long. Our careers are so long. So there's so much time to build the things that we want to do. And if we want it to stay around for a lifetime, it really takes time. We can't be like a flash in the pan and do things so quickly. A hundred percent. You have to be mentally prepared. You know, it's like a, it's a big, it's a big thing to have a brand, you know, that's sold all over the world and stores and all of the responsibilities that that come with. And if you're, you know, being in, I'm so obviously heavily involved in everything and I'm a bit of a control freak. So I just can't imagine having had to do that because it was already so incredibly difficult for me. You know, when I did it at age, what, 30, 38, 37, 38. So I can't imagine having done it in my twenties. And you've done such a great job using social and your work and your classes to brand yourself. If there's an aspiring or artist listening who wants to make a name for themselves so that people really think of them by name and not just the clients that they do, what are some good branding tips for makeup artists? Well, I think first and foremost, I always say, you know, there's a lot of different types of makeup artistry and there's a lot of different careers in makeup. And so the the number one most important thing is something that I did early on is to figure out and be very clear about what area you want to focus on. Because if you're trying to focus on, you know, you want to do film and you want to do fashion and you want to do celebrity, it's not going to work. You can't do all of those things. You have to choose one thing that you want to really excel at and and sort of make that your thing. And so for me, after spending years assisting different artists, both celebrity make artists, fashion make artists, you know, I kind of figured out, I'm like, okay, this fashion world for me is not for me. I'm, I want to do more of the glamour, a celebrity makeup artist, slightly more commercial because I wasn't enjoying the, you know, the fashion world. And I also saw that that industry was so small in the sense that there was like three top artists at the time. And I think actually some of them are still the same ones 20 plus years later, you know? And so there wasn't much space for people to go in and make, make a career for themselves or to become successful like I wanted to be. And so I kind of found my niche and my niche was, was doing, so I, I excelled at making celebrities look beautiful. And you do such a great job of that and you have such a signature look. So how did you come up with your like signature Mario look? Like I know what I love from you and it also comes through now in your products. Thank you. So I would say, I don't know, looking back, I think it's, I don't know, I want to say it was in my early twenties. I remember doing tests with, with this photographer in Manhattan. He used to shoot a lot of like the Miss Universes winners and Miss USA winners. And then he would do some celebrities models. And so I loved doing that type of makeup because these girls just wanted to be glamorous and beautiful. And so 
that's where I really started to sort of hone my technique and, and, and through learning, right. Through watching the photos, watching the monitor, I would sort of try to correct, like, for example, my under eye technique, it took me a long time to perfect quote unquote, that technique, because I saw it like in the magazines or in the music videos or on television, or even, you know, on more senior artists in person, I would see their work. I'm like, how did they get that under eye so snatched, you know? And so trial and error, I would just keep practicing and trying different things. And so finally, you know, that's kind of how my techniques evolved. Um, in the early days so a lot of it was just me you know intuitively and some of it was like little things i picked up here and there from different makeup artists that i assisted throughout the years my early years well i have to ask about the under eye now because a lot of people on instagram needed mm-hmm. to know like okay how do you prep the under eye how do you cover dark circles like what order are you using things and then finally someone asked when are you coming out with concealers so this is a long <laughs> question a long under eye um, question yeah so as far as prep you know it just depends on it depends on on the, on the person but typically i'll just use a moisturizer and eye cream nothing too crazy or fancy i typically will do foundation first i blend it i don't put it completely under the eyes and then i go in with concealer but when i conceal it's sort of like i'm not almost doing three things at once i'm not just concealing i'm like concealing i'm brightening and i'm correcting all at the same time and so under the eyes i typically go for like a slightly more pinky peachy tone and not like a yellowy tone and I do a little bit of that. I blend it out really well. I also drag sort of the remain remainder of the concealer that I'm putting in the darker area or along the, like, the shadows. And I kind of use that as a lift lifting technique towards the outer corners to really lift up the eyes and then brightening, you know, the, the under eye at the center of the under eye. Now, back in the day, I used to go way too bright. I mean, like almost comical looking back at it now, but, you know, but like everything we involve, we involve our techniques and, you know, over the years as trends change and times change, but that's it pretty much. I do that. I blend it. And then I set it either with a pressed powder or a loose powder. But the color of the, the powder is what matters too, right? Because if I'm using a very yellowy powder over a peachy or pinky concealer, it's not going to look good. It's going to just kind of make that gray come, come through again. And so with the powder as well, I do either translucent or I use a shade that's going to help to you know further brighten or you know lift the, the complexion. And then do you like to apply concealer with a brush? And then are you blending it out with a sponge after or how what pro, like tools are you using to apply yeah i do brush so i apply it with a brush and then i blend a little bit with a brush as well like a kind of a fluffy brush and and then if there's let's say if i'm doing a really glam look where there's you know more concealer than you would on your average person like a day-to-day then i will take a beauty blender like a damp beauty blender and i sort of pat you know press it press it press it so that it sort of absorbs the upper layer of the product and and then i go in with the with the powder but if I'm doing it, let's say I'm myself, Mariana, like I don't do all of that. I, I will probably just dab it on myself and then I use my fingers. Good tips. I'm going to use this for myself <laughs> because I think that's what I was doing wrong. Like I'm using like a lighter pinky concealer, but then my powder is not the right powder to be using with the concealer I'm using. So I definitely need like a duo of using the right products and colors together. You know what I've been doing a lot lately, which I kind of actually am starting to prefer more than loose powder. I've been a huge loose powder person my whole career. I'm I'm loving setting the under eye now with a pressed powder, just a little bit on a brush and you just pat it right over it and it's like, oof, looks so good. How do you keep the concealer from like lasting and looking fresh all day too? Because a lot of times I'll get my makeup done or I do my makeup in the morning, but I really need to look good all day and not just yeah. immediately when I apply it. Yeah. I mean, concealer is one of those things. It's going to crease, you know, sometimes. So you, you got to just blend it out really well. And when you set it, make sure that there's no creases on it because the most creases obviously will stay. And then I think also the heat and the warmth of the fingers, like just kind of patting in sometimes and like kind of patting in those creases so that they blend out. 
you know, the more powder you use, the less you're going to crease. But then, of course, that doesn't look great in person if you're putting too many, you know, too much powders. It works really well for YouTube and for, you know, camera and for red carpet and stuff, but not really for, you know, not really for day to day. I'm all about building a classic capsule wardrobe of things that I always want to wear and keep in my closet for a long time. I love to shop new pieces that I love, but also vintage pieces that are really unique and special. And one of my favorite sites to shop on is Farfetch. Farfetch is the global platform for modern luxury, which is powered by an international network of over 800 boutiques and more than 500 designers. You can find emerging labels, iconic super brands, and rare vintage finds all in one place. And one of my favorite things is to invest in wardrobe essentials. So they've got a whole section on the site with new closet staples. So if you need anything in this section, you can go here and build your capsule wardrobe for yourself. And like when I'm shopping for a trip or a special event, I really like to find the very specific thing I'm looking for. So I like to shop by like occasion or color. And so there's so many ways to shop online. So something else I really love on the site is the pre-owned section. So a lot of times I maybe missed out on something or there's a specific item that I need or I want to shop a favorite vintage item from a designer that I love. Everything is categorized on here and I love shopping on here because I feel like I can get something really unique and special. On the pre-owned section, they have everything from coats and bags to jewelries and accessories. And then I love my new things too. So I love to go to New Inn and just see what all the new items are every day because I like to just know what's out there and what's trending. Farfetch is currently offering 10% off when you spend $200 up until May 6, 2023. Just use code LIFEWITH at checkout. Brand exclusions apply and terms and conditions can be found on the Farfetch website. Start exploring Farfetch now and choose your new forever piece from the new season or pre-love collections. Your choice, your Farfetch. Well, obviously, there's so many artists who look up to you, but now with your own brand, there's so many just everyday girls and customers who are using your products in their everyday life. But if they want to learn how to improve their own makeup techniques or applying makeup on themselves, how can they learn how to get better? Like what resources are there? How can you figure out just make your own makeup look good? You know, I looking back now in the past 24 years or so, I would say the best thing you can do like to really see your mistakes and to improve them is photos. It's like, if you take a photo, because we see everything on a monitor when we're working, whether we're filming or, you know, when we're doing a photo shoot, whatever it is, we can see. And the red carpet also, right? The pictures come out right after. And so it's looking at your work, like, you know, both with flash and without flash and daylight. And that's where you can really see sometimes what you couldn't see in person. And so, you know, you look at yourself, how did that look? You know, what could you improve? So I think that's the best way to do it really is like being able to see your work in a photo or video and then improving it, practicing and sort of fixing that one thing or two things that you got wrong the first time. Well, something I love is using your products and how good my face looks in pictures. Like whenever I use them, I'm just like, wow, Uh, it's amazing. Like some of my favorite products are the shaping stick. I love it. I love the lip products. I feel like every uh, person and everyone that does my makeup, they all have your master mattes eyeshadow palette. I feel like it's become a staple like in my own routine. And then Almost every single time I get my makeup done, people use this. So when you were creating your own line, what were the things that you wanted to create for yourself? And like, how did you take that makeup expertise into dreaming up these products? And not only did you dream up amazing products, but there's such great innovation and technology and finishes behind all the things that you create. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mariana. So, I mean, initially, I didn't know really what to start with, right? It's so overwhelming because you're like, what? well, there's like 500 products I'd like to create. What do we start with, right? And so uh, Alicia, who's my global president, you know, she kind of sat down with me and she helped me to, after she had attended my masterclass, she took a bunch of notes and she's like, okay, she's like, you start with the eyes. She's like, so why don't we start in the in the order in that you do makeup? And I was like, okay, well, that's helpful. So we can kind of focus on something. And then 
you know, that's how the, the three palettes that I launched started and the eyeliner. It was all basically an eye collection. But but even more than that, it was I wanted to separate the textures like master metallics and master master mats, master metals, because I, that's how I had done it on set always. It kind of worked. You know, I separated things. Even my my complexion products were sort of separated in bags by the textures, powders, shimmers, liquids. And so I spent a lot of time sort of researching and, and studying lots of things when it came to that initial collection because the master mats, for example, it's you know, it's a beautiful matte core palette, but a lot of work, a lot of you know, a lot of passion went into that, a lot of research and history because I basically take everything, everything is based off of my true artistry technique, right? And so it's like dissecting that technique, like not only the technique, but why am I doing this? Right. And so it's like I had to sort of do a lot of work to break down my technique and figure out, well. When I start the phase, I'm using concealers and foundations. I'm using skin tones to actually sculpt the eye. I never, I never used just a typical eyeshadow. It always started with the skin tone, right? And so my philosophy, you know, the colors are all from nature. Everything is completely from nature, you know, whether it's from the inside of the human body or the outside or in nature itself. And so that palette, I wanted to basically create that technique that I was doing for so many years. And so the palette itself is, you know, based off of, uh, of human skin tones basically from you know from the deepest to lightest and then you know there's my little nerdy scientific side that i don't really show a lot but you know that palette is inspired by the evolution of human skin tone right so we all started as very very deep dark skinned humans in, in africa and throughout thousands and thousands of years we've migrated up north and sort of mother nature that lightened our pigment and our skin to protect us for the elements outside and so I guess I kind of wanted to sort of show, you know, because it was my first launch, it was my first products. And so I wanted to sort of establish the brand, but also that kind of philosophy that I feel within is that, you know, we are all the same. We're, we're exactly all the same, despite our, you know, us looking different on the outside, we are actually all the same. And then my master metallics was a whole nother thing that was all inspired by the inside of the human body. And so if you look microscopically on the inside of our bodies, it's it's absolutely like stunningly breathtaking what you see. It's all about, you know, these cells sort of gather together and they form our different arteries and they form our different organs. When you look microscopically, they all sort of had the stunning glimmer in it. And sort of that's how I created the master metallics valid. It's every color in there is something in our body, despite where we live, despite where we're from, despite how much money we will make it we are all exactly the same and that's kind of the, the very initial launch of the brand and how i wanted to do it so yeah that's how it kind of happened and now you have such an amazing range of products and the brand has just grown so fast and it's getting so big so quickly how do you deal with the pressure of a launch now because i feel like as brands get bigger each launch becomes bigger and you want to make sure that they're going really well and it's like you know we have a business too so it's like you want to yeah. make sure that each launch was like good as last year or how did you do the year before and like so i know i feel a lot of pressure on myself when we have a launch so how do you deal with that for your own mental health yeah so you know it's really nerve-wracking the beginning especially was i think right now it's much much better in the sense that well number one i know so much more now i'm much wiser in terms of like you know, the, the inner workings of the business. And so, and I have a much bigger team, thank God, than I did initially because we started the brand, with, I think, two full-time employees and we launched literally in 600 stores. And so back then it was, it was like a tumultuous time for me when we were launching. I would get so nervous. I would get so insecure. I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing, saying the right thing. Now though, 
I don't know. I have to say I kind of enjoy it now. It's really exciting. You know, we definitely have like a formula and a method, the way that I like to do things and the way that we like to do things. You know, that being said, you still kind of always have those feelings of like, wait, is it doing well? Is it going to do well? I hope it does well. But, you know, I I try not to I try not to, to be obsessive over it now. I kind of just kind of like surrender and I'm like, okay, we did a great job. We're doing what we need to do. We're releasing it now. We're doing the education. We're teaching people, inspiring people. And I sort of just kind of surrender to the universe and just let it be, you know. And, and then we're off to the next thing because, you know, keep, you know, you know this yourself being a brand founder, but we're working on so many things simultaneously, you know, 2024, 2025. So we're jumping back and forth to like, you know, the current launch, the next launch, the launch, you know, that's two years out. So you just kind of get used to it. Um, as time goes on, as you know, the more that I learn and more experience I get with having the brand, it becomes uh, a little bit easier. I know. I think people would be surprised to hear that right now we're working on 2025 and like our innovation calendars moving forward, because I think people don't realize how far in advance we really have to have these formulas and things done. Like it's not just a couple months before and then it's on shelves. It's really years oh, in the making. I know. And then you're also thinking the whole time, like, oh my God, like, is this going to be in at that time? Are they going to care at that time? Like, you know, because you never really know. It's like, you're just kind of going based off, for me at least, like based off of like my intuition of what I think, you know, the brand needs right now, what I think people are wanting right now. You know, of course there's trends and things like trend forecasts and things like that. I don't, I don't really like go based off of those too much, but you know, it's hard in that sense is that, you know, you're creating something right now that's going to be launching in two years. Like, but what? Like, we don't know what's going to be in two years, you know? So it's like stressful. Yeah, it really is stressful. And then I think your brand is as similar as mine. It's like, I really think about longevity. So it's, I'm not so much focused on trends because I hope that these individual products will be along for so many years and that you'll use them over and over again because the kind of trendy products, people might just buy once, but then the things that are really staples in their routine, they'll use forever and ever. Yeah. And then I just feel for me, I'm not like, even when it comes to me as a person, like I'm not into trends or things like that. I'm really, you know, I always say to everyone on the team, no frills, no nonsense. You know, I, I like things that are sort of classic, iconic, you know, legacy things. Like I, I like things that are going to be around for a long time and things that have a purpose and meaning, you know, things that work, things that have a purpose and a meaning and things that we can also educate with and help people sort of to, you know, brighten their day up or, or teach them something, inspire them. And so for me, the, the whole trendy thing, I think sometimes, you know, products will, will be trendier, will fall under a certain time, you know, where things are trending. And I think that's great. But for me, it's definitely not the most important thing. It feels like spring, a little bit like summer, and I'm so happy because in Los Angeles, it is very warm. I am loving this weather because it's finally warm again, which means I'm wearing skirts and dresses and shorts, but I also need to shave my legs. So I got away with it a little bit less frequently the last few months, but since it's definitely warm, I want to be really consistent. I also have really dry skin on my legs and I have sensitive skin. So when I'm looking for something, I want to find something that's moisturizing, hydrating, and it's not going to irritate my skin. So I think you guys will really be into what I discovered. So I started using the shaving cream from Athena Club and I love how it feels on my skin. And they've got an amazing razor. It's got thousands of five-star reviews from customers and it's designed with a built-in skin guard and it helps to prevent razor burns while being gentle on curves. The razor blade is surrounded by water-activated serum with shea butter and hyaluronic acid and these are holy grails in skincare. And the best part is the razor kit is only $10 and it comes with two blade heads, a magnetic hook for shower storage, and your choice of color handle. The color options are really cute. They even have black and white razors if you're minimalist. I have a baby blue one, which is very cute. And with Athena Club, you never have to think about blade refills because you choose how often you want your replacement blade shipped to you for free, and you'll never be stuck with an overused blade longer than it should be used for. 
And I know I told you guys already, but the shaving foam is so, so nice. I love how it feels on my skin, especially because I have sensitive skin on my legs. Share your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Head to athenaclub.com and use code Mariana for 25% off your first order. Again, that's athenaclub.com and use code Mariana for 25% off. Athena Club is also launched in Target stores nationwide, so be sure to check out the shaving aisle to buy their products in store in real life. If somebody was building their makeup kit for the first time, they're just getting into makeup. Are there a key couple products that you think most people should have in their little makeup bag? Yeah, I would say, okay, a couple. I would say for a makeup artist, the skin enhancers, skin enhancers and or contour sticks, if not both. The textures are so good. Thank you. I really love the enhancers. It's such a, it's such a like light and modern and innovative formula. So it's great to sculpt with, but it's great to enhance the skin in general. And then I think the the foundations I have to say too for a makeup artist, especially you know, because you can get you you know you can cover pretty well with it, but you can also go so natural and luminous with it. So I'd say those two. But then of course the master mattes, you know, it's hard to pick just two. Everybody loves that one. It's such a good palette. And then I have to talk about the foundation because you've had many products go viral, but that one it felt like the day that I it launched even before launch on TikTok, everyone was freaking out over this foundation. So how do you deal when a product starts going viral? Because we know like, obviously we place purchase orders to do what we think will be in stock until the next one comes, but then it sells a lot quicker and then it's like instant panic internally. So it's like, you want to make sure it's in stock for everybody. It's not out of stock on purpose. So, yeah, I think with, and we've dealt with, with that a lot as well. I think we're so much better with it now like in terms of being more stocked up. But I think with the foundation, you know, that wasn't our first, our first product that went super viral was our moisture glow plumping lip serum. That was unexpected for me because I just wasn't expecting it. Like I, you know, I just thought it was a great lip serum. It was a great sort of, you know, it wasn't like a serious, hyper serious product that requires lots of education and stuff, right? It's just a simple everyday product. And then that went viral. And I was just kind of like, whoa, that's when I really saw like firsthand the power of, of TikTok in particular. Um, but then with the foundation, I always felt innately the foundation was going to do incredible. I always felt this intuitive, like, I don't know, it was like a strong sensation that I felt like this is a, this, this product is going to do incredibly well. I don't, I didn't know exactly how or why. But I remember waking up on December 26th, the day after Christmas, right? And I just had this really eerie feeling in that I couldn't tell. I'm like, I, I was almost stuck like on the, on the sofa. And I'm like, wait, I'm like, so we just launched this foundation this morning. It's the day after Christmas. I, I was on Instagram. I couldn't get a sense. I'm like, is this doing well? Like, do people care? And, but I also felt like this rumbling sensation sort of like in the distance. Like it was like this big sensation, like a vibration almost. And so I go on TikTok and I started flipping with my finger and I, it was just surreal skin, surreal skin, surreal skin. Like it had literally been three hours since launch. And I had, I was flipping through and there was already hundreds of TikToks. And I just had chills over my body. Cause I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, how did they get this? It's literally the day after Christmas. Like, how do all these people have this foundation already? We hadn't sent PR out or anything. And yeah, it went incredibly viral. It was amazing. It, it was just went beyond what I thought it was going to do. And it, it was pretty incredible experience. It's so incredible. And so how are you using social now as a brand? Are you guys focusing more on TikTok or Instagram? And like, what's the, the strategy there? Yeah. So we're actually pretty new to TikTok, actually. I'd say maybe a little over a year. I think I joined TikTok. You know, TikTok, we're trying to be more active on that's that's definitely like what I want to focus more on. But Instagram, you know, we have I don't know 12, 
12 point something million followers, right? So I like to use Instagram as day-to-day like education, you know, showing products, evergreen things. I also like to to tease on Instagram. Like a lot of people kind of learn about the product there. They find out, you know, that I'm launching a product there. And it's a slightly different audience, I think. It's like a lot of my core audience from, from many years ago. And then TikTok is completely different. It's a lot of, you know, it's a younger audience. I think for us, but there's a selling power on TikTok that that I think doesn't happen on Instagram, you know, with the influencers stuff, like things go viral so quickly now on TikTok. It reminds me almost sort of of the, you know, like the classic, you know, OG influencer days of YouTube, when things would go super viral like that. I feel like the TikTok is, is now that. And it's hard with TikTok though, because you can't be too produced, right? Brands typically do things very, you know, overly produced or, you know, they take a lot of time for editing and color correcting and all this stuff. And you can't really do that for TikTok. It has to feel so homemade, which actually, you know, for me, it makes it easier, but it's one of those things that I'm definitely trying to focus more on is, 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 is being more active on TikTok. And it's hard when you're, you know, when you're also dealing with all the different departments, social is just one department of like so many, you know, so. um, I know you have so many things. I feel like you're really busy. So how are you managing your time between being an artist, a brand founder, working on the brand, social, so many things like how, what does your days look like? How do you not get burnt out? I know you used to be not so good at this. Yes, it's still a work in progress. You know, last summer I stopped traveling. So I I made the decision like the first time in my career that I was going to stop traveling for like a couple of months. And, and that was such an eye opener for me. It was really life changing. It was so beneficial to my, just everything, my mental health, my health, just my overall outlook on life. I, for the first time had like a really normal job where I had Saturday and Sunday off, which I'd never had my entire life. And I worked Monday through Friday. And so I was able to go to the gym, you know, on a you know normal routine, you know, weekly going to the gym and going to appointments and all these kinds of things. And that was life-changing and really like, I really enjoyed it, you know, and because I was able to sort of live life for the first time and understand almost like what, what real life is, right? Because when you're just constantly running, you're just running on the road and traveling nonstop. It's like, you're, you can't ground yourself. And so I was able to ground myself, like fully ground myself during that time. And that's when I made a decision that like, I really want to balance and make like a real effort to, to keep everything balanced. And so I have to not travel as much as I you know, like to, because, you know, that entails me not being able to do a lot of jobs that, that, you know, my clients ask me to do or, you know, and that sucks, but then I have the company here and my employees here in New York. And so I have to give my time to them as well, just as they're giving, you know, to me for the brand. And so you know, I'm trying to balance and do a little bit of it all. And I'm still, still figuring it out, Mariana. It's, it's, it's definitely hard because something always pops up, right? We always have to travel regardless. And so I don't know, I guess I would say still a work in progress. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. I think with being freelance too, like so many artists, they deal with this sense of scarcity. Like they want to say yes to everything. It's because Mm -hmm. we don't have job consistency. So we don't know for sure when the next thing is coming in. And I think that makes it really hard being a freelance person because you want to take care of yourself, but you also are really nervous to say no. Or like, what happens if one time you say no and then somebody else uses a a different artist and they don't want to use you anymore? So I feel like it's really scary for artists to get to the point where they can't have boundaries. Oh yeah. Like that for me in my, when I, you know, before the brand, that was definitely the case, you know, because I was always living in in that sort of mindset of scarcity since I was very young actually. And it's happened to me several times too. Like in my earlier years, I remember like you'd lose something or, you know, you, you know, you start struggling or, or, you you know, whatever it was. So now with the brand, it's not, I don't really feel that as much anymore. You know what I mean? I guess there's a sense of uh, 
more of a sense of security now and not living in that sort of mentality of scarcity, but being a freelance makeup artist, oh, that was like, that was really a thing. And I think a lot of people, I would say, if not all, definitely deal with that. You know, that, that and that's not a healthy way to live, actually. You know, with, when you're constantly feeling like, oh my God, it might not be there tomorrow or it's, it's all going to go away or, you know, so it's, it, I try to work on that um, all the time. You know, it's because it's sort of, it has an effect on you overall and your mental health when you go about life in that way. You know, it really does. So I want to get into some makeup questions because people had a lot of questions for you on applications. So let's go into the first one, which is what kind of skin prep do you like for a better makeup and foundation application? Yeah. So for skin prep, I typically have always used a very emollient moisturizer, number one, because it's going to, you know, obviously it's going to hydrate the skin, but it's going to allow you to blend products out better. And then most importantly, it makes the, helps to make the powder finish look much more natural, right? If your skin is very, very well hydrated and when you place powder on over, so because powder is going to like kind of keep everything clean and lock it all in. But if you're putting powder over skin that's not really well hydrated, it's going to just not look great. You know what I mean? The texture is not going to look great. But what happens when you put a very emollient moisturizer below, it sort of grips and grabs that powder beautifully. And it sort of makes it over a short amount of time look very seamless, like, like natural skin. That's kind of like what I've done, what I've always done for prep. I, I actually have never even been into too much primers and like that. I've always kept it really simple. But thank God, you know, my clients you know, come in and their skin is fully prepped mm-hmm. already and they yeah. have all their, they have all their products on and stuff like that. And is there anything that you would do differently for a big event or if you want your makeup to last a long time? Mm, let's see. Yeah. It depends like how long, you know, some events are a few hours and then there's things like weddings or whatever that, you know, really has to last long, but yeah, there's certain setting sprays that you can use to, you know, to make everything last much longer the way that you layer products. So I, I like to work in very, very thin layers, but I like to sort of layer multiple layers of very thin layers each one of those layers if you're sort of strategically placing them in, you know in terms of by the, the texture or the finish of them certain products will grip onto other products and so if you layer things in a certain way collectively together it it it, it makes for a super long lasting makeup and then what about tips for applying complexion products on mature skin yeah i would say the number one tip is less product Right. So I think a lot of sometimes there's a misconception. People think that, you know, on mature skin, you need more and more and more. But I actually think you need less. And so I would say, you know, stay away from products that are too heavy, stay away from products that are too pigmented, stay away from products that are, you know, too textured. So you want to just kind of keep it light. So do what you would normally do, except just lighten everything up, like softer with a softer approach, it's a softer hand. Okay. Amazing. Well, I think this was so great. I'm so happy for you and the brand. So where can everyone find the products? I think we all know, but just in case. Yeah, so you can find the products at makeupamero.com. You can find them at Sephora online and in store and also Sephora at Kohl's. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mariana. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.